Hi everyone, I'm Sky Ross and this is Motherness, a podcast dedicated to sharing mindful and empowering interviews with mothers and experts. Together, we're shining a light on the realness of raising babies and life postpartum, from the first moments to the months following and the years beyond. Motherness serves to hold space for mothers in all their glory, to inform you, to include you, to empower you and to connect you. And despite our different experiences, opinions and approaches, as mothers who love, we are grounded in this together. In today's episode, I speak with a beautiful mama and yoga teacher, Maddie Brosnan. Honestly, I don't even know where to begin with describing this positive and conscious conversation because there is so much goodness. Today, Maddie and I focus on her most recent fourth trimester experience with her eight-month-old daughter, but we touch on her journey with her 22-year-old son at times as well. That's right, 22 years, not 22 months. That time between her babies is a fascinating component in itself. Maddie's perspective on motherhood, despite entering it for a second time and with the wisdom of life experience, is still fresh like that of a first-time mama and we talk at length about her deliberate decision to approach it this way. Something we can all learn from, I'm sure. We also speak about using breastfeeding as your meditation, returning to yoga and exercise, baby wearing, co-sleeping, the importance of sex and intimacy with her partner Benny, how he embraced their baby girl, the ritual of burying Ayo's whenua, and so much more. Perhaps my favourite thing about this episode, though, is its refreshing nature. Much of our conversation is about Maddie's experience, less about tips and techniques for baby, and more about surrender, learning, and growth for her, both as a mother and as a woman. It's truly beautiful, and I know you'll feel as uplifted from listening to Maddie as I did from interviewing her. Hi Maddie, welcome to Motherness, thanks so much for joining me. Do you want to just start by introducing yourself to my listeners, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you live and who you are a mama to? Yep, so kia ora, Um, ko Maddie toku ingoa, ko Nehana toku tama, ko Ayo toku tamahine no tamaki makoto a ho, and ko Bini toku hōtane. So what that basically is is that my name is Maddie, and I'm a mother to my son who is 22. His name is Nehana. He's my eldest, my firstborn, and I now have an eight-month-old daughter. Her name is Ayo. My partner is Bini, and we currently live in Greyland. in Auckland and I'm a yoga teacher. Beautiful. It's so nice to have you on. And did you want to start by doing a karakia for us? Yeah, I thought I would if that's okay. So if you just want to close down your eyes or katia or karu and take a big deep breath in and out. So erangi, e papa, e te atua, whakatohia tōkoutou, manakitanga, ki roto e mahi o mātou, amine. And basically what that means is that um, Sky Father and Earth Mother and the gods around us to watch over us and bless our work as we go on this journey. Beautiful. Thank you so much. So we're mainly going to focus on your little girl today, um, but we'll touch on your son, Nehana, throughout your journey where it's relevant. Um, Do you want to just start by giving us a quick overview of your birth? 
Yeah. Um, so Ayu was born at 39 weeks on the 24th of August at 11.16 p.m. I actually had to think about what time it was just before. Uh, and she was delivered uh, one week early and that was at Auckland Hospital by way of induction, but a very gentle uh, medical induction. And she stopped growing uh, or had stopped yeah, gaining weight in the last sort of six weeks of um, our pregnancy. So our midwives um, thought it would be best to to bring her out um, and so yeah we were given permission to start natural um, induction at home from 37 weeks so we tried everything all of the things and um, she just didn't want to come out so uh, yeah they booked us in and we went in and had her and yeah everything went pretty smooth we spent three days at uh, birth care post that in a private room, which was awesome. And yeah, then we brought her home. So that was the overview. Um, vaginal birth, no stitches or anything like that, which was cool, completely different from the first birth 22 years prior. How does it compare to Nehana's birth? Um, so he was 10 days overdue and went in for a routine check with the obstetrician and they had found meconium. So they decided to induce me that afternoon. And so we went home, got our stuff and went back to hospital and um, they did everything like the prostaglandin jelly, the breaking of the waters. Um, and I think they had the Sintocin as well from memory. It was a long time ago. And his labor was very um, hard, like no build up with contractions and yeah, had an epidural with him. It was 13 hours established labor, where hers was five, um, three hours of pushing with him, and hers was 23 minutes to bring her down. So, wow. um, yeah, really quite different. Lots of hypnobirthing with Ayu and no pain relief. And with Nehana, there was no hypnobirthing and um, epidural. So, completely different. Um, still stayed in a birthing unit post having him for about five days, I think, um, in Christchurch but very, very different experiences. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And how how did you feel after Ayo's birth compared to how you felt, I guess, emotionally after Nehana's birth? I just remember kind of there were similarities. I remember going up to the ward with him and just looking at him thinking, oh, my gosh, this tiny little baby and then kind of being too high on love and oxytocin to sleep and then when I did fall asleep they woke me up and said oh he's getting cold you need to put him in bed with you and they want they want he wanted to feed and I was like oh my god how do I do this and um <laughs> I didn't have my partner with me uh, we weren't you know romantically involved um so that was quite different and then with Ayo it was similar I could have couldn't sleep and kept staring at her and Benny got to stay with me afterwards. So he was sleeping in the same room and um, yeah, it was just different having his support there, I guess. So emotionally similar feelings of like, Oh my God, this little human, but just that, I guess partner support was quite different in those first few hours of the early morning <laughs> when they're waking up for the first time. And did it feel like you were doing it for the first time all over again with her because it had been such a big gap between her being born and your son? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And part of me thinks definitely the 22 year gap will do that. Um, but I also went into it with a really 
what we call in yoga, a beginner's mind, um, where it's, you don't know what's going to happen. So you just have to be really open to the experience and, and trust and lean in and try and move away from comparison as hard as that is. Um, but yeah, there was just, it was so different, like really, really different. Um, yeah, beautifully different in their own, own unique ways. Yeah. So take us through the first moments with her and your first breastfeed when you'd had her and she was placed on your chest. What, how did those first moments unfold and how were you feeling? Yeah. So she came out pretty fast and, um, I couldn't kind of pull her up onto my chest because her cord was so short and I had her on, on kind of hands and knees. Um, so they were like, pick her up. Or they said, oh, the, you know, your baby's here. And Benny got to tell us what we were having. So he checked and got to tell me that it was a little girl because we didn't know. And so I kind of tried to scoop her up and pop her up onto me, but I was on my knees and it was a bit awkward. So I kind of like shimmy around <laughs> onto my back <laughs> with this short cord. Um, yeah, it was really magic. Like the whole room, I felt just went quiet and we had really low lighting. And I think we had um, the song that was playing when she came out was birth was uh hope by fat freddy's drop so yeah i'll always remember that just those words playing and it was awesome like she was barely made a sound and was so tiny and yeah just a little squawk and and that was it so i felt like i got to have her with me and on me feeding and latching she fed on the left side i still remember that and um for ages just the midwives were great. They just kind of left us to it and did what they needed to. Um, I had lost a bit of blood. So I lost about one and a half liters, which they didn't tell me until after they'd done everything. Um, so I had to have a, like an injection and stuff just to make sure that everything was okay. And that made me feel a bit queasy. And so I had to have a little bit of a spew and give, gave it a Benny at that stage. But um, yeah, it was awesome. Just having her there and all wrapped up and so little thinking, oh my gosh, I made this. We made this. <laughs> yeah. And now she's here, you know, waited so long. Did you feel like she was a girl all along? Was that something that you'd kind of envisioned? Yeah. I, because I wasn't going to have any more children. Um, I had made my mind up many years ago that Nehana was going to be an only child and I was really happy with that decision. So when Benny and I decided that we were going to try, um, we got it on the first round, which was pretty cool, um, naturally conceived her. And I actually did have a, a vision, well, I guess you could call it a message or whatever, um, resonates with you. But we were riding on the bike up north near our section in Northland and um, I had this like full feeling or vision that this little girl was trying to reach down out of the left-hand side of the clouds and reach out. And she was saying, I'm here, like I'm right here. And I remember holding on to Ben's waist thinking, oh my gosh, there's like this little girl energy trying to contact me and whoa. And then I went home and journaled it and then listened to a podcast a few days later. And they talked about how your um, children's spirits and, and essences can, like, can contact you prior to to coming through a pregnancy I fully feel that's what happened with Ayu I've still got that journal entry for her for when she's older so um yeah I did feel that she was a girl the whole time mm, I felt like I had known her like I feel like I've known her yeah for a long time mm. and so take us through those first few days you've had her you've had this really magical and I guess probably quite a healing birthing experience 
How was your first few days in birth care and how did you get on with establishing breastfeeding? Yeah, um, birth care was great because they pretty much in a way just left us to it and I felt like we were in our own little world and kind of tucked away with all the privacy that we needed but they were on hand if if we needed them. Um, We had some really awesome midwives on our night shift as well that that came in. Um, Breastfeeding to be honest, was was fine. I've never had any problems latching. She started cluster feeding night one. So we thought we'd be really awesome and shower and get to birth care after going to Auckland hospital, hoping to bed at seven o'clock at night, try and get a good sleep in. And at about eight o'clock, she started and she just went like, as you will know, left to right, left to right for about six hours. And she'd fall asleep on me and I'd put her down and she'd wake and I'd hardly had any sleep from her birth because I was just high on love and I got to about maybe one in the morning and I was starting to feel really nauseous and so we went and got the midwife and she came in and basically bundled it up really tight into a swaddle, gave it to Benny and said, you're going to go down to the lounge and give Maddie some sleep and I remember waking up and it was like three hours and I was like, there's my baby. <laughs> I tiptoed down to the lounge and there he was in a baby wrap with her both of them sound asleep so I tiptoed back to the room and went to sleep for another hour and I think I had four hours solid sleep and um, I felt like a new woman after that so yeah so the breastfeeding was fine my milk came in day three and um, yeah she's just she fed like that pretty much the whole entire time that we were there Um, and so we'd prepared for it the night the next night we were like right game on. <laughs> we know what we're going to do. Um, we knew she was going to be hungry because of her birth weight. Um, so I just persevered with it and just, I just knew that this is what she needed. And so we just stuck at it and Ben would change her, bring her to me. I'd feed, he would settle and we just kind of tag teamed it. Um, yeah. I just really did all the feeding. He did everything else while I was in birth care. I didn't even change a nappy. I don't think from memory. <laughs> and with her low birth weight, Obviously, going into it is something that you were mindful of because that's the reason that you were induced. So, was there any expectation, I guess, from midwives or anyone about um, needing to make sure that she gained weight? And was there even ever any discussion of like top ups or anything like that, or were they very much happy for you to just feed her and get that established? In birth care, they did say to me, I think it was maybe night two. They said. Um, you know, how do you feel about maybe using a dummy so that she will soothe and maybe not want, not want to feed as much um, because she had been feeding quite a lot during the day. And I just sort of thought, well, if she's got a low birth weight, I would say that she's feeding because she's hungry, mainly not for the soothing. So I said no to that. Not that I'm against it. I just felt like she probably needed Kai, like she needed sustenance. So I fed. Um, the midwives that we had that that looked after us post um, postnatal, no, they never really mentioned top ups. I think they were so happy with her weight gain; she was gaining like five to six hundred grams. Um, oh, yeah, she was like packing it on, and so they were like, "We're not really concerned." Um, I was just working with an acupuncturist um, to make sure that I was having the best type of nutrients I could to boost my milk supply even more, so that her digestion would be good um so that's kind of what we worked on but no never really did the top-ups um these these were were all good (laughs) yeah amazing and you're still breastfeeding her now eight months aren't you yeah still fully fully breastfeeding yeah so um she takes bottle with breast milk if need be but yeah she's only ever been on 
on breast milk so far. Yeah, nice. Good work. It's such a lot of work though, isn't it? It can be really relentless. What is your, I guess, philosophy and thoughts around breastfeeding and how you connect with it as like an emotional experience? Yeah, with my son, I grew up the eldest of four and saw my mum breastfeed all my brothers and sisters. So it was a really natural thing to just think that's what you do with babies. Maybe my mum was a bit old school, even though she was a young mum as well. And she was like, I was a young mum, I was 18. So, but I just thought breastfeeding was the way. So I fed him till he was two as well, fully, fully breastfed him till he was two. And with Ayur, I just kind of have the idea that she'll stop when she wants to. So if she stopped now, I would probably be quite upset, but that would be my thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just going to kind of let her feed for as, as long as she wants. And, and if she's happy, then, then I'm happy. Um, but yeah, no, it's an awesome experience. I was actually just <clears throat> going to say to you that I kind of even remember with Nehana, I couldn't feed him and talk on the phone at the same time, or I couldn't breastfeed him and have a conversation with someone in the room. He would get really agitated and wanted me all to himself like it was a real sacred time and Ayur at times gets quite similar <clears throat> excuse me frog in my throat gets quite similar where if I'm trying to do something else or in the past if I was she wasn't having it so I've kind of adopted in a way I guess an idea that let your breastfeeding be your meditation like for me that's been a really huge um, help and so at 4am when you're doing those feeds just kind of lean into that experience and rather than seeing it as this thing I have to do because the baby needs to feed, it can be a really beautiful experience if you um, settle yourself into it and go into it with that mindset. Um, It can be tiring and it can be exhausting and sometimes you think I just want my body for myself because, you know, they're on you all the time but if you just, yeah, my biggest advice would be just to go with it and lean into it and it can be a really beautiful nurturing experience and it could be the same for bottle feed as well. I'm I'm sure, you know, like if you create that ritual around it. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I, love it. I think that's a really beautiful perspective on it. Um, let's go back and talk about how you were feeling physically once she first arrived. You had no stitches this time. So how was your postpartum healing? I guess, you know, other than, you know, maybe, stitches healing and things like that, milk coming in, your body being different postpartum. How are you feeling physically in yourself? Yeah, I remember um, going to have my shower at Auckland Hospital and wondering why I felt so dizzy and lightheaded. And that would have been because of the blood loss. And I just did not even think or register that I would feel like that after losing blood. Um, that took a few days to to really kind of come right and um yeah, and also just standing fully upright in a full standing posture. I could feel my stomach muscles almost pulling me back down, like not wanting me to fully stand up. So that was a really different sensation. And I don't remember having that with Nehana either. Um, so that was different. Um, and coming home, besides like all those things you said, like a little bit of bruising, bruising maybe and tender boobs and, and all that sort of jazz. Um, just the breathlessness of walking down the street. Like we walked to our local cafe to get coffee on Father's Day, which was one week after she was born all around about that time. It's only a six minute walk from here to there. And I remember getting back thinking, I'm so exhausted. Like it's a struggle. And even walking down 
halfway around Grayland Park was a struggle. I had to stop in the corner and have like a little breathing session because I felt like I was going to faint. Probably didn't help that we were shooting basketball hoops two weeks postpartum. <laughs> but um, I soon learned that I really just, even though I felt okay internally, I had to really let things settle. Um, there's a lot of shifting that happens in nine months. And even though externally it looked okay, there's obviously things still happening on the inside. So it took me about a month, I reckon, to for the, the breathlessness to, to stop and the, the blood loss to be replaced. Mm. You were exercising right up until you had her. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're a yoga teacher and an avid F45 exerciser. That's what we'll call you. Um, <laughs> yeah. how, what was your relationship with exercise in the fourth trimester? And I guess that desire to get back to that not only for the physical element, but for the mental element as well. Mm. So I started moving, I started doing diaphragmatic breath pretty much from day three in birth care. And that's just inhaling and letting the the belly softly fill. And then as you exhale, drawing the belly gently back towards the spine. And I could do that because of the way that my birth went. There wasn't anything that told me I couldn't and the midwives were happy for me to do that. So I started doing that after asking. And then I think week two, I started doing some really gentle yoga um, because even doing cow cat, I felt that through my abdominal. So just gentle breath work and Pilates. And then I think I went back to my first F45 class just on five and a half weeks. Um, And as I told everyone, even though I was really active the whole way through, the relaxing and the body and in the muscle and the ligaments and stuff and everything is still so soft that after that workout, I was more sore from <laughs> recovering from that workout than what I was from having her. Like it just caned me. And that was just body weight resistance, I think. Um, so yeah, it told me probably not to have that much time off again in a way, but I also needed it to recover properly with the blood loss. So yeah, and then eventually it just had become sort of maybe three days a week that I would create some movement for myself. Um, It was important for me mentally to move, um, whether that be going for a walk or doing something at home. But yeah, moving the body has always been really important to me because I see it as kind of like a, a meditation again in itself and that I've always thought that movement is medicine in a way. So, yeah, it's been extremely important um, for me to move mentally and adjusting to the physical things of how long it it takes for your body to. And I don't like using the word bounce back because I kind of, I guess it's that whole idea of looking back or being back to how you were. My body's never going to be the same again. My hips are definitely wider than what they were and my belly's a lot softer than what it was and my shape is still different from eight months post having her. And yeah, being in the industry, it took a little while for me to honestly get over that. Um, But having a little girl, which I've said to many of my friends who know me well, and I feel I really had to get rid of that mentality and shift that mindset because I don't want her to see her mama, who she's supposed to get a healthy body, love and respect and relationship from, to see me in the mirror 
doing different angles and complaining about the way I look. So we've kind of made a rule that we just don't talk about body image in that way in the house and um, yeah, not using scales or having scales or anything like that because I just don't think it's something that she needs to have in the four walls that she's in. So, yeah, but that's just my my approach. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Thanks. And how else, um, I guess, other than exercise, did you support yourself mentally during the fourth trimester? Yeah, so sleep's always been really important. Um, and I know it's really hard. They say try and get sleep and there's always something that you feel that you need to be doing when the baby's resting, but um, trying to get some sleep is is epic even if it's just 20 minutes on the couch in the afternoon was really helpful when she got to that six week mark that's when I started to feel tired was when we got to about six weeks um meditation was hugely important still is so finding time to just sit and breathe and having really good support I had and still have a couple of of core girlfriends that I see and speak to and they were the ones that would come over and bought me lunch when we first had her and she was a week old and would change her and do our washing and empty the dishwasher and yeah there was like a really small tight circle of of friends that we have and that was that is and still really is helpful um and just being kind to yourself yeah having real kind thoughts and and being really grateful um which can be hard having a hot shower. <laughs> Never underestimate um having a hot shower when you're a when you're a new mum. That five minutes in the bathroom. Um yeah, and again that can be a ritual in itself. You just feel so good. And I do that and put my body moisturizer on that I loved and just kind of got myself set up for the day and that always made me feel heaps better. Felt like I had my shit together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever gets you through, hey. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, you've, I guess, from this first part of our conversation, you've kind of touched on how important Benny has been in your fourth trimester experience this time around. Um, and I guess for anybody listening who doesn't know you, Io is his first child. So mm-hmm. what has been um, your experience, I guess, seeing him embrace the fourth trimester and become a dad for the first time and go through, I guess, that that adjustment and that, that new stage in his life. How has that been? Oh, it's been so awesome. But Benny was at every midwife appointment, like all the way through pregnancy. He also made sure that he was home for every postnatal appointment when they were here. So they would always see us together, like the two of us before she was born and then the three of us. Um, and he just like fully embraced it and lapped up everything. Like he did everything apart from literally breastfeed her. He even put her on him to like quiet down and see if that would work. So yeah, he's amazing and, and fully involved and we very much co-parent. So he also has that same sort of, I guess, adopted idea that, you know, that they want to be close to us. So he's really happy to have her sleeping in our bed if she needs to be. And um, baby wore her pretty much from day one at birth care and walked around the house with no top on for a month because he was told it would take 72 hours for her to imprint and smell him. And then she'd never forget the smell. So he didn't want to wear anything other than his body smell from showering so that she would remember his smell. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I think when he went I back love that to work, so much. yeah, I think when he went back to work, we put one of his t-shirts that he'd worn for two days on her bassinet um, as a mattress, as a as a sheet, so she would sleep. <laughs> so, yeah, he's fully here for it. <laughs> he loves it, and um, yeah, he's he's really awesome. He, yeah, I, it's it's been incredible to to watch and. I always knew that he would be a great dad because he's such a gentle natured and in a way like a feminine energy without that sounding really odd. Like every male has masculine and feminine, but he's really in tune with that. Um, and he's really like soft natured with her and just says the sweetest things. It's cute. It's yeah, that's really special. So yeah, I'm incredibly blessed to have, someone that's on the same wavelength with those philosophies and ideas and just yeah he just doesn't have any expectations of me other than just to love and be her mama like he doesn't care if the house isn't immaculate he's like I don't expect you to be doing any of that like she's she takes up enough you know so yeah he's really awesome yeah amazing and how was um having a newborn for your relationship during those first few months? Yeah, um, we told ourselves it was going to be really, really hard um, because I also didn't want to do that whole comparison thing of first and second child because Ben hadn't had any children before and I felt it was really important to let him have all those first experiences. Um, So, yeah, we told ourselves it was going to be really hard and that we'd be sleep deprived and um, that one of us would always make sure that they got some space to go and train or go to the gym so that they could support the other person. And the fourth trimester was really important to us that there was always one person that could be the pillar when needed be. Um, It definitely had, has brought us closer because just that whole birth and labor and pregnancy experience does that. Um, And seeing him with her as well, but it's been, there's been challenges too. You know, he's had to see our time together be, shared with this new little person and I was used to being number one in his life and he's used to being you know number one and two shared with Nehana in my life so yeah we were both a little bit like oh how's this gonna go and a little bit fearful that this little person might steal the show dare I say it but it was a real thing we actually talked about because you know it's a real thing when you love someone so much that you don't know how you can make room but we made so much room, like a super king size room bed for her. So she's got heaps of our heaps of our space. Um, but yeah, what I didn't expect with the whole relationship thing, which I've touched on before with a few of my girlfriends, is um, during our labour, I was hugely attracted to him. Like, could smell his pheromones and like just wanted to like attack him with love. Like I was so <laughs> it was crazy. And even after, like when we got home. Um, yes, sex or, or creating that orgasmic experience was really important to us um, when she was little and your body's got so much oxytocin um, and dopamine and all the loved up hormones that it's totally normal for you to want to be like that, but just no one ever talks about it um, or maybe lets themselves go there because you've just kind of had a baby. It's the last thing you want to be doing is putting on sexy lingerie, right? But at the end of the day, it's kind of yeah, it was always really important to us to stay physically connected and emotionally connected in the fourth trimester in whatever way we could. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Cause I think that's it as well. Like even if you've, um, 
you don't feel like you're ready for sex, that's totally okay, but you mm. can still find intimacy in other ways, right? Definitely. What sort of things have you guys done, I guess, to make sure that you can prioritize your relationship whilst having a baby? Yeah. So um, we used to do alphabet dating all the time. And since she's come along, we've stopped doing that. So we will sort of, if it's been, and I think maybe I heard you say similar thing, like if it's been, dare I say it, he told me nothing's off limits on this conversation. So that's okay. Dare I say it, if it's been like a week that we haven't had sex, which doesn't happen very often, um, but we will say, we'll call each other out and I'll be like, it's been nearly a week. And he'll be like, I know. And I'm like, we've got to get this going. Like what's happening? So we'll <laughs> be like, right, she's going to bed. Mama's going to get the lingerie and we'll make some time for each other. Or um, yeah, like we'll turn off the TV and just like have a really beautiful cuddle on the couch and just, yeah, just find time to connect and try not to talk about the work stuff and the house stuff and just really be with each other or we talk about what we used to do when we first started dating and like remember that time and that's always really lovely to go down the old yellow brick road that's yeah always brings us back to that first first romantic butterfly date that we had and we talk about that often so that's a really lovely way yeah, amazing. Let's um let's talk about sleep. So I've seen plenty of beautiful photos of Ayo in her wahakura, which for anybody listening is they don't know what it is, is kind of you might have heard it described as a peepee pod or it's basically like a woven flax bassinet, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um and you guys also did a lot of baby wearing in the early days and I've seen you doing yoga with her still in a little sling before and she's eight months now. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> So can you just, I guess, share a bit of insight into your approach to sleep and I guess what your expectations were going into the fourth trimester and maybe how the reality of it played out? Yeah. So um, we had a Moses basket and the wahakura that we kind of used in the lounge um, during the daytime so that she could be close to us and um, because it had the most natural light in in the house. So we decided to keep her quite close during the day. And then in her at nighttime, we would take her and put her in the Moses basket next to Benny's side of the bed because he wanted to have her on his side. So he would get up and bring her to me and then feed and then put her back to bed. So that was kind of his thing. And um, it got to around about maybe six weeks. And I f- it was during the day and I just kind of felt like she would be an awesome sleeper through the evenings and at night. So she would do maybe three hours stints of, of sleep. And, but in the daytimes I felt like I was getting up and down every sort of 20 minutes to settle her. Like I'd feed her, settle her down, put her in her bedroom in the Moses basket and she'd wake back up. And I was like, this is going on for like day three now. And I don't remember your brother being like this. Like I actually said that thinking he never did this. <laughs> and um so I was like, right, I'm going to pop you in your baby sling more often. And she would sleep for three hours at a time in the sling. And what it did for me was realize that I was a way more relaxed parent with a newborn when she was sleeping like that than trying to force to put her in her bed. Um, but I thought that's just where she was best and that would make sense to put her in there. But she had other ideas that she really liked to be on us and 
So we started putting her in the bed um, at around about the four o'clock feed. In the 4 a.m. morning feed, she'd jump in bed with me and she'd usually sleep there till about seven or eight. So yeah, and we actually had her in the bed pretty much all night on Saturday night from we went to bed at seven o'clock at night and she slept with us till seven in the morning. (laughs) So she loves sleeping in her own bed as well. Don't get me wrong. And we like, I like having the space to be able to spread out. Um, But I'm also, I also think, well, she's been in my puku for nine months and she's used to the sound of my body and my breath and Benny's voice in the bedroom when she's been in the womb. So of course she wants to be close to us because it's all she knows and she's still learning. So yeah, we kind of just go with it. And um, once I found out that she kind of would sleep longer periods in the, in the wrap, it was a no brainer for me that I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep up with this because the more sleep she got, the more relaxed I felt about it all. And we both won. So yeah, never really forced a routine. I just kind of let her do her own thing and she's kind of, she's found her own, which is working really well. So, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, sometimes the anxiety of settling and resettling causes more stress on us and then they feel it too, right? And so, totally. you know, I think as well it's about framing your expectations of babies mm-hmm. and newborns and particularly around sleep because I know that that was a big part of my journey and I look back and I reflect Mm. on it and um yeah I mean I don't regret anything that I did but I know that next time I'll I'll do it differently so Mm. I love to hear that you embrace that and that you surrendered to that because it's a really big part of motherhood right that surrender Mm. Mm. and it's challenging at the time because usually it's when things aren't going to our way or our ideal way or our expectation that we get frustrated with their behavior but really it's our own behavior well it's it's us that we need to look at because they don't know any different <laughs> so it's, it's always yeah, us for sure. yeah it's always us mm. and what expectations did you have of yourself as a mother this time around or have of the fourth trimester And how was that what you expected or how was it potentially different to your expectations? I thought that I'd want to go back and start teaching at six weeks and told all my students that I would be and all the studio owners. And I was always someone that liked to be out out and about at times and, and busy doing things because I was used to teaching five or six classes a day and being in different studios. So the idea of being at home all day was a little bit like, oh, am I going to be able to do this? Um, but I got to six weeks and I was like, I can't. And more of it, I don't want to. Like it became an actual, I don't want to. And and she needed me and she, you know, she was feeding consistently full time. She was six to seven weeks and hats off to parents that, that can go back to work at that time and do that. And their babies may love that and that they do too, but it just wasn't something that it was going to work for me. Um, so that rolled out a little bit differently to how I thought. Um, but again, I just kind of went with it and everyone was really great about it and the yoga studios were awesome and students were awesome. So that was different. Um, what else was different that I can think of? Mainly just that, that was the main thing that comes to mind was just that whole, I'd want to go back to work straight away (laughs) and leave her. Um, Let's talk about, I guess, I, you know, you've said you didn't really like to do the comparison thing, but I think for people listening, 
there's a tendency to or I shouldn't speak for everybody, I should speak for myself, that when I look at mums who are second-time mums, irrespective of an age gap of 22 years, I think I um, I expect that you feel like you completely know what you're doing the second time round and that it's really easy. I guess for you, how do the two fourth trimesters compare and I guess how did your intentions for each of your babies compare both times around? Let's see. Well, I guess I knew I wanted to breastfeed. I knew I wanted to create that real, well, not real bonding experience, whether it's bottle or breast, it's still a real experience. So I knew that I wanted to breastfeed both babies. So that was the same. And I was quite fearful, I think, of of the whole birthing experience because it was so different. But I didn't, I didn't realize that that's what was I guess a limiting core belief and and some deep layered work there. So it wasn't until I started working through that, that I was like, okay, I'm ready to do this again. But yeah, I I knew that I wanted to feed both. So that's kind of worked out to be the same. Um, I knew that I wanted to be very hands-on, not helicopter mum, but very hands-on and involved with as much as I could of making sure that I could be um, as calm and connected at each times and it, it's worked out to be the same because I was meditating before I had him at 17 and I've been able to kind of do that with Ayu as well so that's kind of been the same um, but the relationship side has been different so I've had to look at those because it's been quite different being with Benny and, and not being with Nahana's dad romantically at the time being involved but not romantically involved um, and just the age thing like so different like I just feel felt more empowered this time around um, I researched more, but I also know more through life experience and know more of who I am and what values I stand for and wasn't um I didn't need to look at negotiating them but on any of those this time round with her because I knew what was best for me in those moments where beforehand I was kind of probably relying on the professional advice that I got when I was seventeen, eighteen birthing. Um, because I didn't know any better then. And things have changed so much in 22 years. <laughs> so much has changed. And I guess other than for Benny, you wanting to have it to be like a first-time experience with her, was there an element of wanting to feel like it was a first-time experience a second time for you as well because of the age gap between your two babies? Yeah, I definitely went in with that whole first-time beginner's mind I I I knew that it was going to be different just just in the whole way that it happened the relationship that we were in I knew that it was like a first time and I wanted it to be a first time not just for him but for me because my time with Nehana was so special and sacred just as much as my time with Ayo was so special and sacred so yeah definitely went in with that whole first time mum mentality and just kind of went with it and soaked it all up and yeah, just welcomed it all in really. Um took 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 on board what I needed to, left at the door what I didn't. Um and kind of still like that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's such a beautiful perspective on it. I love that that's the way that you think of it, you know, that there is so much beauty to be found in looking 
at it with a fresh perspective and feeling like you're going into it completely new. Mm. It's like I always say that one of my favorite things about having Albie is seeing the world through a child's eyes. And I guess it's a similar concept that you're kind of, you wanted to embrace that fourth trimester. Like it was completely new to you again. Um, How was it for Nehana adjusting as a young man in his early 20s and having a baby sister arrive? How did that go? He, um, when I, when I told him, I told him when he flew in from Auckland and he had a little bit of stopover before he went to Christchurch and I told him that I was pregnant and he kind of just looked at me and was like, are you sure you want to do this? (laughs) Mainly because he knows me so well and was like, what? Um, but now that she's here, he's so excited. We FaceTime all the time and she, when she does see him face to face, like when he comes to stay and when we go down to visit him in Christchurch, she's not shy or scared of him. She doesn't drop her lip and cry at all. She has with other people before, but not with him. Um, he just walks straight up to her and picks her up and it's like she knows. Like I remember he flew up here because of the measles ep- epidemic that happened when she was born. We decided that we didn't really have anyone come to visit that much. Um, and he was actually one of them that didn't come up until she was about six eight. So I still remember him holding her and he had his head, her head in his palm and he was just rocking it up and down because she was like the size of nothing and rested between his palm and his elbow. And just she just fell asleep like that and he like rubbed her little third eye, was just like rubbing it with his thumbs going out to the side because her head was that tiny, it would fit in his hands and she fell asleep like that. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty cute. So. Yeah, it's awesome watching her. He's like, I'm not doing nappies or anything like that. Next minute he's got her in the bath and he's dressing her and reading to her. And yeah, he's awesome. He thinks she's amazing. That's so sweet. I love hearing that. It's amazing. Um, Let's talk about your Māori culture because it's a really big part of your life and the essence of who you are as a person. It's customary to bury the whenua or placenta after birth. Is this something that you and Benny did or considered or are planning to do? Yeah, we actually have um, what we call a ipu whenua um, basket, which is like a harakeke basket that was made for us and weaved. And so we've got a house about to start in June, be building. So um, we'll take that up north, up past Atlas Bay and plant that um, on the section um, up there. And so we will do that. We just haven't got around to it because we didn't want to do it until the house was finished. And then we thought we'd take, we'd take her up there and, and make a celebration of it and have Nehana there as well. So we'll, um, we'll definitely be burying it up there so that she's got a place to, to go back to and returning it to the land. You know, it's really important because we live on the land. We, we eat off this land, this land, the food that was produced and grown nourished her while she was in my body and her placenta. So I feel it's really important to, to plant that back and to give back and honor that. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I just, I guess, like to wrap up by asking you a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. The first is, I guess, how do you identify with the concept of the fourth trimester and how did that play out for you with each of your babies? I guess being a young mum the first time round, I, um, I just kind of think about how my mum was, like she raised four babies and three of us on our own at one stage and just was always I just I guess embraced 
us and motherhood, like nothing was too stressful, nothing seemed too hard and there was always a way around it with just unconditional love and approaching it in that sense. And I guess that's kind of how I look at it with Ayu and with Nehana is they're just these innocent little spirit essences that already have their own unique little life code and we're just kind of here to nurture that and grow that and give them a safe space to grow up to be the the human beings that they will be and I kind of feel like that's what the fourth trimester is is that time to nurture them but also it becomes the time to nurture yourself and move forward in your new your new way of life and your new journey with with them yeah well my last question for you you know what this is Lando. <laughs> have you come up with an answer for it or are you just gonna freestyle it? <laughs> oh, I, I kind of I've because I remember hearing the the very first episode I ever listened to of motherness and I remember hearing um one of the girls on there, I think it was Jessica, Jess, maybe. Yeah. And yeah, I just cried and yeah, it was just so beautiful. And it, I had thought about it, like, but not like obsessed thought about it. Just thought, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know what's well, coming. let me pose the question to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dun, dun. Ah. Dun, dun, dun. Here it yeah. comes. Okay. <laughs> I have a theory that even on the hardest days, and in the most trying times, and even when we're doubting ourselves as mothers, that the mother we hope to be is exactly the kind of mother that we are. So, Medi, what kind of mother do you hope to be to Nehana and to Ayo? And therefore, what kind of mother are you? <sighs> well, I think back to a hard day that I've had recently, and I think about how I was in that moment. and. I like to think that um, I'm connected and connected to myself in those moments and connected to Ayu and connected to the world and the universe surrounding me in those moments so that I can be calm and grounded and meet her and myself always with unconditional love, which I know is challenging at times. And um, to to be courageous and to speak my truth and to to be in my voice and, and inspire and lead Ayur to do the same so that she always knows who she is and that that's enough. Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being on Motherness with me. It's been such uh-huh. a pleasure talking to you. And thank you, Sky, for um for doing what you do because you know you're living your purpose by bringing this to to other mothers out there. So yeah, thank you for the mahi that you do as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Motherness. For more empowering interviews like this one, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. And if you like today's episode please subscribe and leave a review so more listeners can discover all that motherness has to offer. We are at motherness.podcast on Instagram and our DMs are always open if you need advice or would like to chat. I'm Sky Ross and you've been listening to Motherness.